Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Yes, I must say I'm very grateful to the teaching team for giving me another spot. I, uh, I prepared way too much content for my last message and I'm very glad I get another shot at it. But uh, because I had uh, quite a few weeks in between, I have prepared some other things as well. So <laughs> we'll see. I might be asking for another spot yet. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, as Paul was saying, I, I am inspired by Christians of the past because I look through our rich history that we have of people who have loved God and followed God all their lives. And we look at what they did and, and it stirs me up because I look at them and I think, that's possible for us here, right here today. And I really hope today that your faith will be stirred up, your faith will be strengthened, and you'll be encouraged to seek God, to serve him with all your heart. Because, my word, what a God we serve. And he has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's start by looking into the word of God. So let's open our Bibles. Go with me to Psalm 33. Last time I spoke, I had a theme, and it was that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I'll repeat that throughout. Well, this time my theme has changed a little bit. And I want to go right here to Psalm 33. Let's read from the first verse. It says, Sing joyfully to the Lord. Uh, so this is Psalm 33, verse 1. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. And wasn't it beautiful praising him this morning? Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-stringed lyre and the four-stringed bass. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. What's the reason? For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. That is what I want to speak about today. I'm going to be sharing stories of faithfulness, God's faithfulness, of people trusting God. And again and again, I want to come back to this theme. The word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Let's just pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is right and true and that you are faithful in all you do. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us here as we hear stories of people who have gone before us, Lord, who have trusted your, your name, who trusted your word, who have believed it and acted upon it and seen your faithfulness. Lord, I pray that we would be stirred up, Lord, to trust you, to love you, to believe you, Lord, and to walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I'm going to start with two stories, but... Uh, they're not stories of faith, quite the opposite. I want us to take us back, first of all, to 1836, to England. And if we can be a fly in the wall, we're uh, in a little room where there's a, an older man and a pastor, and they're talking to each other. And this older man, he is frail, his health is not well, and his faith is not well either. He's struggling. He is working 16-hour days in one of the factories in Britain. 16-hour days, trying to support his family and his children. He is worn out in body, soul, spirit. And there's a pastor with him, and this pastor is talking to him, and this pastor is urging him, you need to make time for God. And this man says, I would like to, but I have to work so hard to keep my family out of the poorhouse. As it is, we barely have enough to get by. And he says, I would like to be able to trust God, but what can I do? I'm worn out. And the pastor says to him, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
And this man, this hard-working man, looks at this pastor and says, I know the Bible says that, and I would like to believe it, but I have never seen it in real life. I haven't seen God put food on my table and shoes on my children's feet. I would like to trust God like this, but I can't. What would you say to that man? It's a hard situation, isn't it? Somebody working, working themselves to death, basically, trying to provide, struggling, and you're a pastor and you're trying to say, you need to, take, you need to work less and make time for God and seek God. And he's going, well, then we'll end up in the poorhouse. It's a terrible situation. We're going to leave that story for a bit and we'll come back to it at the end. I want to take you to another place. In 1852, not that many years later, we have a young man full of enthusiasm and he goes up to the pastor of his church and he says, Pastor, I've heard you've got a book on China. I would love to borrow it. And the pastor says, well, certainly you can borrow this book. And he says, why, why do you want to borrow this book on China? And the man says, I believe God has called me to be a missionary there. And the pastor's like, well, that's pretty awesome. He says, how do you, uh, how do you suppose you're going to get there and find support and do all that? And this young man answers, I think I'm going to go as the apostles went, as the 70 sent by the Lord himself with no purse or, or money. I'm just going to go and in faith and trust God to provide. This pastor lays his hand on this boy. He says, oh, my son, when you get older, you will grow wiser. And you'll understand that when Christ walked the earth, it was fine to live like that, but not now. Not now. That's not faith, is it? <laughs> Quite the opposite. Not now. And this young man, this young boy, he had to ask himself, this was in uh, 1852, and he had to ask himself, does God still move in 1852? Does God still work now as he did back then? Is the God of Elijah, the God of Moses, the God of Daniel, the God of the apostles, does he still act in the same way now? Can I still trust him? And we're going to be reading or hearing a bit more about this boy today. His name was Hudson Taylor. When he grew older, he would later write about this experience. And he said, I have grown older since then, but not wiser. <laughs> I am more and more convinced that if we were to take the directions of our master and the assurance he gave to his first disciples more fully as our guide, we should find them just as suited to our times as to those in which they were originally given. That's what he wrote, and his life proved it over and over, and we're going we're gonna to look a bit at that today. But first, I want to take a step back, because when I was reading about his story, I was struck, like, often we read about these giants of the faith of these people, and we think, you know, it's quite... Um, yeah, we see them and it can be, almost be a little inaccessible. We think, whoa, how could I ever get there? And I, I was reading about it and I, was, and I was really struck by all the people around him and the, the circumstances that led to his life and his dedication to God. And so I want to actually start back even further. I want to take you back all the way to 1776 to a, uh, a barn in a place called Barnsdale. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? A barn in, no, it's Barnsley, Barnsley. A barn in Barnsley. So this day is a beautiful day. The sun is shining, the birds are singing, and would you know, wedding bells were about to ring. 
It was James Taylor, wedding day, his wedding day. And he was getting his house ready for his new bride. He was getting water in from the well, getting the house ready, and then he realised he needed to go thresh some wheat to get some flour ready so that his bride would have stuff to cook because they like their brides to cook. <laughs> so it's a lovely day. He's walking out to the barn to get with some, some uh, sheaves to thresh them. And now this man, he was part of his local church, and a very old traditional church. He was a bell ringer. He was part of the choir. But at that time, the Methodist revival was sweeping through England, and he was against it. He was one of the leaders against it in his town. His neighbours had become Methodists. They had become uh, extreme, enthusiastic. Uh, about a year earlier, his neighbour's wife had gotten really sick, rheumatism. She had been bedridden for several months. And one day the husband had gone out to do his business and she was there laying on her bed and she'd gone, you know what, I'm going to trust the Lord for healing. And she was healed right away. And when the husband came home, he found his wife who he'd left in the sick bed, sleeping in the kitchen. Good example to follow. <laughs> no, for all, for all of us. <laughs> it's good to sweep the kitchen. All right. Now, this story had gone all around the whole countryside. Everyone had heard of it, and people didn't really know what to make of it, but the Methodists did. They said, that's the God we serve. So this man is on his wedding day. He's getting ready. He's thinking about you know, he's getting married. It's going to be good. He wasn't much for religion. But as he is walking to this barn, a verse from the Word of God comes to his mind. And the Word of God is powerful. It gets in us. It gets in us. It convicts us. And it changes us. And he, this verse just suddenly popped into his mind and he couldn't stop thinking about it. It was from Joshua. And it said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as he goes about his business, starts thrashing this wheat, those words start ringing in his head and he starts thinking, yeah, I'm about to set up my own house. And he thinks, I haven't really thought about this, about what a solemn thing this is. I'm actually setting up a new family, you know, a new home. And he goes, what sort of home will it be? And he goes, we will serve the Lord. And he's like, well, what's that look like? And he goes, I think that looks like what my neighbours are doing. I think that's what it looks like. I don't know if I want to go there though. But then he goes, as for me, and the conviction of God falls upon this man and right there on his wedding day, in that threshing floor of his barn, he has an experience with God. And he ends up spending hours in prayer, experiencing God and having his life completely changed. He snaps out of it and realises he's late to his own wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so he runs down the hill and thankfully uh, his fellow uh, Bell pullers, they've uh, stopped the clock in the church. <laughs> <laughs> to give him some leeway. So he rushes in and there's no time to say what's happened, whatever. The wedding party are waiting. They go in, the minister, they, they say their vows, they sign the paper. On the way out of the church, he says to his bride, you won't believe what happened to me. <laughs> and he tells her that he has become an extremist, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and his wife says to, her, to him, oh no, I haven't accidentally married a Methodist, have I? <laughs> And he's like, well, very shortly after he joins the Methodist church. Well, his wife is not happy. She's not happy. And she, uh, he, he starts making, we're going to read the Bible every night, we're going to pray. And she starts finding all sorts of things that you know, annoy him and 
make a nuisance of himself when he gets down to praise, he starts banging dishes and finding things to fuss about and that one day he gets so over it and he goes and he picks her up and he takes her up to the room and sits her down and says, we're going to sit here and we're going to pray. And he kneels down and he pours out this passionate, fervent prayer for her soul. And God answers that. She sees his praying for her and is struck by the way that he cares for her and his conviction of sin comes upon her. All the next day it rises until she's almost in despair. And when he reads the word of God that evening, she confesses Jesus as her Lord. So this is an amazing story about people that most people would never have heard of these people. God is doing this stuff all around the world, all the time. There are things happening where God is working. God is taking his word and he's pinpointing people. And, oh, it is amazing to see. And what happens with this man, James Taylor, is he, he follows through on that. He makes his house a house that serves the Lord. And I'll just share quickly some of the, the stories of what happens because I was just amazed by how God took this man because he, he ends up, he's a stonemason. He has an accident at work and he, lo- he loses a lot of strength from it and he can no longer do manual labour. So he's forced to go and live in the city of Barnsley itself, in the town. And Barnsley was known as being a very wicked place. It was, they reckon it was one of the most anti-Methodist places there was. Like when Methodist preachers came through, they were pelted out, they were beaten, they were abused. Well, he, this man takes his family and lives right in the centre of this town and he starts preaching the gospel. And he would go and sit on the corner and preach the message of God faithfully and he was abused, he was dragged through the mud, he had rocks pelted at him. One day, this was just crazy, I was reading, I was like, wow. So one day he's walking to his home, a couple of young men come up to him and one man starts animatedly talking to him, he's like, what's going on? And while he's distracted, the other guy comes around, grabs his eyes and throws mud and glass into his eyes and rubs them in. And they grab him. He's blinded by this. They grab him. They're about to take him off. And at just that moment, the magistrate comes walking around the corner and sees what's going on. They, they run and leave him. So he has been preaching God's word faithfully, but suddenly he's blinded and it took him three months to recover. But God is faithful. And what happened was the magistrate said, we need, you know, I saw who did this. I'm going to grab them. I'm going to take them to court. And this man, James Taylor, he says, no. He said, leave it to God to deal with. I don't, want, I, don't want to, I don't want you to charge them. I want you to just leave it in God's hand. But the magistrate said, no, I saw it. I'm going to take him. But because James Taylor wouldn't testify, it was just the magistrate's word against this guy's word. And when this guy was in the witness box, he said, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. He said, God strike me blind if it was me. It wasn't. Within a month, that man was fully blind. And he was led around the town by a dog. And the whole town saw this. And it was a testimony. They were like, wow, you don't mess with God's people. When John Wesley ended up coming to Barnsdale many years later, he wrote in his diary, he said, in a town where once you could hardly get a word out for an amount of abuse that would be thrown at you, he said, not a dog's tail wagged as I preached and many hearts were touched for God. So this is you know, a, a man who was touched by God, who trusted God, said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he serves the Lord in Barnsley. And he eventually starts a, a Methodist meeting in his house. It grow, outgrows it. They have a church. And his children are raised to love God. And they raise their children to love God. Many of them become ministers. Many of them are involved in preaching. It's amazing to see when God takes hold of someone, the effect 
that flows on from that, the ripples from a life lived for God. And I want to encourage you today that if you follow God, man, it, the ripples that go from that, it is astounding to see what God can do with somebody who dedicates and lives their lives for him. So his grandson, James Taylor's grandson, he was a man of God, grew up hearing the stories, loving God, and he became a local preacher and a chemist. And he, uh, they, they said he would put just as much work into the preaching as he did into his chemist. But he, he loved God, and with all that he did, he tried to please God. With his um, chemist, he did re- really well with it. He was a, a good businessman, but he was incredibly generous. When people would come he couldn't afford, he would say, let's send this bill up to heaven, and we'll settle it when we both get there. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And so this man, the grandson of this man who had been touched by God, he grows up loving God also. And he gets married. And before they conceive, they're praying about the children they're hoping to have one day. And he is reading in the book of Exodus. And he's reading about how they were consecrating the firstborn to God. And as he's reading this, he gets convicted that they should consecrate their firstborn also to God set apart the firstborn for me it will be mine so he takes these verses from Exodus to his wife they pray over it and they pray God we're going to consecrate our firstborn to you and this man loved China he was fascinated by China and so he adds on he says God if you should give us a son please grant that he may work for you in China so that's the prayer of a man who loved God and they had their firstborn and it was a son they named him Hudson Taylor. And if you know much about him, you know that he ends up serving God in China. But when he was born, he was very weak, he was very sickly, and they actually very quickly gave up on the idea of him ever being a missionary because he was so frail. And they didn't actually tell him about these circumstances that had happened before his, um, before his birth. In fact, I believe he'd been in China for over seven years before they finally said, you know, we, we actually prayed that you would be a missionary in China. But I want to spend a little bit of time right now just talking about Hudson Taylor because I, I love this man because his story is a story of faith, of trusting God. Because what did we read at the start? God's word is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. And that's what we find lived out with Hudson Taylor. So when Hudson was uh, a young teen, about 14 or so, he started to drift away from God. He um, got a bit... Uh, he, he didn't like being labelled a, a methody by his friends. Uh, he started working in a bank and he started seeing what they were doing. They were going to the races, they were gambling, they were having lots of fun. And his faith uh, diminished until he wasn't really sure he had any. Well, this grieved his uh, family. His sister, 13 years old, decided that she was going to pray three times a day for him until he was saved. And one day, that, that went on for about a month, and one day his mum goes away to visit a family friend qu- quite a little way away, and for one of the first times in a long time, she finds she's got some free time on her hands. And after lunch one day, she gets this incredible burden to pray for her son, Hudson. She spends the afternoon wrestling in prayer for her son, praying for him, praying until suddenly she can pray no longer. And she feels the Spirit of God telling her that it is accomplished, that it is done. And yes, 
that afternoon, back at their home, Hudson had found a tract about God. He thought, oh, they usually start with a nice story at the front and then they go into boring stuff. I'm going I'm to just read the story. He'd read it, read the entire thing. God had convicted him. He'd read the, works, the, the words, the finished work of Christ, and it stuck in his head. And he thought, the finished work of Christ, what has Christ done? What, what, what need do I do then? Christ has done it all. And he realized he just needed to accept to believe. And he had a massive transformation in his life where he believed in God and he accepted Christ as his saviour. Well, two weeks later, his mother returns. And in that time, he'd only told one person what had happened. He told his sister. He told his sister, I've accepted Jesus. I'm a Christian. And he told her, make sure you don't tell anyone. I don't want anyone to know you. I want to be able to tell my mum. Well, two weeks later, his mum walks in the door. Husband runs to her and he's like, Mum, I've got some good news to tell you. And she says, oh, son, I've been rejoicing in that news for two weeks already. <laughs> and he goes, did my sister write to you? <laughs> and she says, no, I was praying for you and God told me. And so Hudson, from, a very, <laughs> from the start of his Christian walk, he knew that God is a God who answers prayer, that God, his word is right and true and he is faithful in all he does. And that was how it started when he realized that my mother prayed for me and I, my sister prayed for me and I was saved. So from an early, from his earlier Christian infant, as an infant, he knew that God is a God who answers prayer. Well, I started with that, that story of him going to the pastor about China, right? That happened very shortly after. He was praying and he was consecrating his life to God and he felt God calling him to go to China. It was an amazing call that captivated him. But yeah, he went to the part, he borrowed this book and that was the advice he got. Like, you, you, can't, you can't trust God now. And so he had to face this question, can I trust God now? In 1852, can we trust God now? In 2023, he had to ask that question. And what I love about his story is that he decided that he was just going to start with little things and it builds and builds and builds. So he purposely put himself in situations where he needed God to move. Let me illustrate with just one example. So he um, started working in a, in a doctor's practice. Uh, not a big wage, but a wage nevertheless. He decided, okay, I'm going to live on as little as I can and so he ended up staying, boarding in a, the, the poorest part of the city in a place next to a, a drain that was full of uh, rubbish and gross stuff, but living as cheaply as he could, and he gave two-thirds of his salary away to Christian things, and he barely had enough to get by. But that was where it started. It's like, I'm going to trust God. And then his employer would pay him in instalments, and his employer comes to him one day and says, oh, look, you, know, you need to make sure you remind me to pay you when it's due because I'm very forgetful. He was a lovely Christian man, but he says, you know, I need you to just remind me. And Hudson thinks, ah, all right, here we go. I've got an opportunity to trust God here. And he, decide, he resolves that he is not going to ever remind his employer that he needs his pay. He's, I'm going to trust God to bring it to this man's mind. So this is where it starts, the little, little baby steps are going, okay, I'm going to trust God with this. Well, the time comes, not very long later, where the employer forgets to give him his pay. A couple of weeks go by and Hudson ends up one day with only a half crown in his pocket. That's about uh, 
two shillings, sixpence. Yep. I hope you're good with old English money. Anyway, he had a half crown in his pocket. And he had a um, bit of food, a bit of gruel, not very nice food, but food nevertheless, for dinner that night, and a little bit left over for breakfast the next morning. And that was it. And he was like, oh, okay, this is getting close. Like, God, I need, you to, I need you to stir up my employer to give me my pay packet. Well, that night, he uh, leaves work. He hasn't received his pay. Suddenly, this man comes running up to him and grabs him and says, please come see my wife. She is dying. And he's like, okay, okay, you know, I'll go. And he, he'd been spending a lot of his uh, time, especially on Sundays, going into the poorest parts of the city and speaking to people. So he went to, followed this man, he went to an area which he actually remembered quite well because last time he'd been there, he'd been sort of physically shoved out of the place and told to go away. But this man takes him into this really decrepit place and there's a lady lying on a bed who's just given birth and she looks very, very close to death. And she's surrounded by several children who are all in the process of starvation. It's a terrible situation. And as he's there, he's got this half crown burning in his pocket and he feels like he should do something to help these people. But as he was looking at it, he, he started having this battle going on in his mind. He was thinking, if that half crown was in like two shillings, I would give one shilling happily to the man, you know, because I can trust God plus one shilling. And he's like, actually, no, I, I'll give, it was, it was just in two shillings and six pence, I'll just keep the six pence and I give the two shillings happily to the man because I can trust God plus sixpence. But as he's praying for this man, the, the words aren't coming out and he just feels fully convinced, I need to give this money over. But he's like, but it's the last bit I have. And he wasn't sure he was right there. But suddenly this man just reaches out to him and says, please, sir, if you can, help us. And Hudson was reminded that of the verse, uh, in Matthew, I think it is, where it says, give to him who asks of you. And so he pulls out this, this coin, this half crown, and he gives it to this man. He says, I might look like I'm well off and dressed neatly and nicely, but this is actually all I have. <laughs> but take it because I know that God is our father and he cares for us and he looks after us because God is faithful. And he says he walked home that night light as a feather light as a feather because he had peace he knew that he had done what God wanted to him and he knew that alright I've got nothing now it's up to God well the next morning a letter arrived it was uh, the postmark was blurred the handwriting looked faked he didn't know who it came from he opened it up and out fell a pair of kid gloves he's like that's weird he pulls them up and out drops a half sovereign which is four times the amount of a half crown and it was funny because he'd been thinking on the way home that about, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, when you give to the poor, it's like you lend to God. And when this half sovereign dropped out, he thought, wow, if I, that was a loan to God. I mean, 12 hours later, I get 400% return. That's, a, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's where it started, his journey of faith. But I mean, to continue that story, two weeks later, that half sovereign had run out and his employer still hadn't given him the money. And this time he had a big bill coming up because his rent was due. And his landlady was a very poor lady, a Christian lady who he loved. And he's like, I have to be able to pay the rent. And, and he thought like, maybe it's right, maybe I should just go to my employer and say, look, 
my wages are well overdue now. I, I need them because, you know, it would be wrong for my landlady to suffer. And so he's sort of wrestling with this all that week. Out, he's, uh, I think it was due on the Saturday, the, the rent, and he's thinking, how, like, God, I need you to please come through, please come through, please remind my employer that my wages are due. Well, on the Friday, I spend all day, and he is, he is wrestling in prayer. Like, he's, he's doing his work, but he's like, God, God, please, please, show, like, I want to trust you in this. Please show my employer. Well, Towards the end of the day, the employer comes and sits near him. And this uh, doctor was a Christian man, and he loved to talk about things of God. And he sits down with Hudson, and Hudson's working away, and this guy just starts talking about the things that God's been showing him and doing with him. And it's a great conversation, but Hudson the whole time is thinking, but God, can you just show him this? <laughs> well, suddenly the man goes, ah, by and by, Taylor. Isn't your wages due? And Hudson goes, thank you. Yes, they're actually due quite a while ago. And the doctor says, ah, oh, yes, I re- that's why I said you really need to remind me of such things. Um, but oh, I'm really sorry. I just took all my money to the bank this morning. I don't have any money on hand, but I'll, I'll, I'll get you paid sometime next week. So from a moment of elation, of thinking, yes, I've trusted God. God has come through. He is faithful. This is great. To a moment of my one source of where my income was going to come from is not an option, and I've got my rent due. How have, how have things turned out so bad? Well, he stayed back working at the uh, doctor's office that, that night. He didn't want to go and face his landlady. Uh, 10 o'clock at night, he finally went and turned off the lamp and went to, went to leave, the, leave the place, feeling pretty... Well, he'd felt pretty dejected, but he he was praying nearly that whole time. And he did start to get peace, that he didn't just wait on God. And he's like, okay, this is is getting crazy, but all right. 10 o'clock at night on a Friday, he's leaving the doctor's practice, and suddenly he hears laughter. He's like, what's this going on? The doctor comes in, laughing his head off. He says, you would not believe this, Hudson. My wealthiest client, at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, I suddenly felt compelled that he has to pay his bill in full, in banknotes. And he said, here, he's just paid his bill. He says, by the way, how about I just give these to you and I'll pay you the rest of your wage next week. God came through for Hudson. God came through. And what I love about his story is that we have these little moments where you're like, oh, maybe it's not too big, but it's, it's something where he's stepping out, he's trusting God, asking God to be faithful to believe in his word, and what it leads to when we take these steps of faith, when we trust our God, because God, he never changes. He is the same God, the God of yesterday, the God of today, the God of tomorrow. He is our awesome, wonderful God, and he is always faithful. Hudson would end up going to China, and I don't have time to go into all that sort of stuff, but what I can say is that he finds God faithful over and over again. When he goes to China as a missionary, he has hardly any support. In fact, at um, one point, he, the uh, society that sends him over, he finds out that they're actually receiving their money by, um, by borrowing it. And he is convicted by the word to be no man's debtor. And so he resigns from that society, resigns from any source of income, except for whatever God would... Uh, encourage people to send to him 
So it's an, an amazing story of trusting God and having faith in, in, in God. And I'd like to just say one story, more story about him before I move on. And that is um, to just sort of show where this faith led to, how it was built and built. Because at one point he finds himself in a Chinese town where he has a good friend who is a doctor who has, uh, he has a, a practice among the foreigners uh, very, in high demand. He was earning a lot from that. And he was using that money to support um, a building a new hospital for the Chinese people. And this hop- hospital would serve Chinese people free of charge. And they had a dispensary and um, it was a, a real work of ministry that this doctor had been working on. And suddenly this doctor's wife gets sick and within six hours dies. This incredible tragedy that just happens out of nowhere. And this doctor, he's, uh, he has a baby and this baby gets sick too and he goes, okay, I'm, I'm heading back to England. Hopefully the different weather will help my baby to recover. And he's like, I'm out of here. And he pulls Hudson aside and says, Hudson, I know this is a big ask, but I, I, feel, I feel like I should ask if you will take on at least the dispensary, if not the hospital. And Hudson's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> and he's praying about it. But he feels led that he should. But the thing is, this hospital had been supported by this doctor's income serving all the foreigners. And the doctor said, I've got a month's uh, income that I can leave with you to run the hospital for a month, but after that I, I, I can't help anymore. Now, in those days, to get a letter back to England would be about two months or so. So it's not like there's time to send back word saying the situation has changed. We, uh, you know... Th- it's like Hudson prayed about this and he realised, if I'm going to take this on, I just have to trust that God will provide. And he had a verse come to his mind, because scripture, scripture is powerful. Scripture convicts us, it compels us, it motivates us. And the verse that came to his mind was, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And as he read that, he thought, he doesn't say, seek first the means to carry out the kingdom of God. It's seek first his kingdom. God will provide the means. And so, because, and I firmly believe, because he's had a life lived of trusting God, having faith in God, he decides to take this hospital on with his church. He takes it to his local church, which was full of new Chinese believers, and they decide that they're going to make it their church project to take on this hospital, even though they don't have the funds for after a month. Well, word gets out. All the um, assistants and nurses at the hospital find out that there's only a month's uh, uh, you know, money in the kitty and they walk off. They say, no, we're not part of this. And so the church suddenly finds themselves having to look after this hospital and they volunteer their time. And the, uh, all the nurses, in order to be replaced by the Christians from this church, they go about and they, they sing hymns as they go about. They tell the stories from the Bible. And the atmosphere in that hospital is radically changed. And the Chinese people there, they know what's happening. And they're going, okay, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But God was moving. And they end up having a blessed month where they see God at work. And they're able to be able to uh, evangelize to these people and be a testimony to God's faithfulness. But all the time they're sort of thinking, what's going to happen at the end of a month? And the word got around. Everybody sort of knew about this. So it, it, was a, it was in the public square what was going on. Well, the day came where the cook goes to Hudson and says, I've opened the last bag of rice and it's rapidly diminishing and there's no money left. And Hudson said, well, 
we just have to wait and see what God will do. And this is the beauty of what God does because he answers our prayers before we even pray them. Several months ago, a letter had been mailed and that day it arrived in Hudson's hands. He opens this letter. There's 50 pounds in it, which was a lot of money in those days. But there's a letter, and as you've read in this letter, it's from a man, Mr. Berger, nice guy. He's in England. His father has just passed away and has passed a massive inheritance to him. And this man, he's already well off, and he says, when I received this inheritance, I thought, I have no desire to increase my standard of living. I'm already quite comfortable in how I live. And he felt compelled to give this inheritance to God. And so he was seeking God, what do I do with this large amount of money? And I felt convicted to send it to you. So he says, Hudson, I've sent this 50 pounds to cover your immediate needs, but I request that you write back to me with all your ongoing needs and I will send the money to fund it. And Hudson was able to see that answer to prayer because he had the faith to step out and trust him. Because you think, what would have happened if he'd held back, but he'd gone, this project is too big. No, there's, there's no way, human, this can't work. What if he'd had lack of faith with such a God, with such promises that God will provide our every need? But he trusted God, he believed in God, believed the word, acted on it, and he saw that God was faithful, so faithful. And his life is, you know, I encourage you to read, read the, the, the full story because there's so much, so much more. But he, um, he would say this, you may trust the Lord too little, but you can never trust him too much. You may trust the Lord too little, but you can never trust him too much. Well, at the very beginning, I uh, started with a story of that older gentleman who was struggling, struggling to trust God, struggling with his health, struggling with his faith, and there was the pastor. I want to close just with this story. That pastor was George Moore. And when he was talking to this man, he thought to himself, oh, if only there was something that I could point to, a monument to God's faithfulness, that I could say, yes, God is faithful. Yes, he will provide. If you trust him, if you seek him, he will be proved faithful. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Well, George Moore would go on very shortly after that to get this vision to start an orphanage. And he wanted this orphanage to be an orphanage that was fully supported and financed through faith. He resolved never to ask anyone or to tell anyone of the need they have, but to do it fully through faith. And yes, he did it because he wanted to care for the orphans, but he is very clear in his motivation when he writes about it that he wanted people to know that God is faithful and God can be trusted. And there are so many stories that come out from that orphanage or where God has proved faithful over and over again. So today, I think I should probably finish because time's going. But what can I say? God is faithful. God is true and trustworthy. His word, we can read it, we can believe it, we can act upon it, and we will see that God is faithful to it. 
So I want to encourage you today. You know, we don't know what God is going to do with our lives. We don't know what the after effects of the ripples will, will be. But let us resolve that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and we will see that God is faithful and we will see what God can do. Amen.